and welcome to Tamper Tantrum the 26th. I am, as always, your host, Mr. Colin Harmon, and I'm joined very kindly. It's very kind of you to join us, actually. Very, very kind of you by Mr. Uh, Steve Layton. I am full of kindness. It's one thing that's been said about me often, that, that my kindness overfloweth. Um, you live to give. I do. I live to give. I might, I might start hey. using that. Yeah. I'll have to talk about business cards. <laughs> Or you could just shorten it, because currently it's life is too short for bad coffee. You could just just say life is too short. <laughs> and indeed it is. Indeed it is. So we, we should maybe move on from this, because this seems like an incredible waste of valuable lifetime. True that. Okay, so um, we've both been away at the SEAA slash WBC at Seattle, um, although it feels like an eternity ago. Um did you enjoy the whole experience? You were there for a lot longer. You decided to go for four and a half months or something, didn't you? <laughs> I went crazy. I was like, I need to get away from everything um, and went uh, for eight days, uh, which actually proved to be around about two days too long because by the end I was ready to go home. Um, but no, Seattle was awesome. Like last time I went to Seattle, I didn't see any of it apart from my hotel room and the convention center and nothing else. And I mean, nothing else. I um, remember that you had like early morning setups and meetings and interviews and then late night editing and yeah, all sorts of gym jams. So yes. Yeah. yeah. So it was really cool to see, uh, to see the city, see the coffee scene that's there. Um, I got to visit lots of shops, which, uh, kind of ticked off the, off my bucket list to, to, to go to Shoma's, um, it's just somewhere I've always wanted to go and well like, uh, listen let's take a step back first you went to Portland first oh I did yes yeah so um, I decided that I'd got nothing to do on the Tuesday and uh, rather than just you were there for three and a half months because I was there <laughs> for three and a half months um, so uh, I, I, I'd forgotten my driving license uh, but Dale hadn't so we hired a car and drove to Portland um, which Everybody said, oh, it's really close. Like three and a half, four hours later, I decided it wasn't so close. Um, uh, oh, and a speeding ticket later as well. Well done, Dale. Um, managed, yeah, to get well done, Dale. A, managed to get a speeding ticket in a foreign country. He gets enough of them here. Um, so, um, yeah, Portland was awesome. Like, So we started off, went to Stumptown, and, which again was another tick off the bucket list. And uh, was Probably my best experience of a coffee shop the whole trip. Um, and I didn't expect it to be. Uh, I've been very down on uh, Stumptown for a little while. Some of the coffees I've had from there haven't been as great as I thought they could have been. But actually was unbelie- unbelievably good. Uh, I had uh, brewed Ellen Herto Pacamara, which was delicious. Far better than I've been able to. i got a bag of that. It's yeah, well, I haven't amazing. been able to get the same results here. Because uh, I also got a bag of that, and I really haven't been able to get the best out of it. Um, and uh, the espresso uh, hairbender was the best best shot of hairbender I've ever had. Um, was absolutely delicious. Um, so I love Stumptown, and then went oh, voodoo donuts on my days. Oh, I queued up for like thirty minutes for twelve donuts, and was well worth the thirty minute wait. Um, have you heard of them? Yeah, it's uh, it's like Krispy Kreme, but um, for cool people. Yes, yeah, and it, it all started in, in this one shop in Portland, and it's open 24 hours a day, and 24 hours a day there's a queue outside of it. Um, it's a real kind of touristy, touristy trap type thing that I got sucked into, but was amazing. Awesome. Uh, and then got to go to Hart, um, which again was another thing off the bucket list. I went to the wrong one. Um, apparently there's two you should go to there's one there's two shops and one you should go to and I went to the other I've always had that fear about having two we had two shops for about how long did we have two shops for about a year I think yeah yeah Um, yeah, about a year Um, and uh, I've you know you often think about having a second shop but I'm, I'm always thinking like I don't want one of them to be like Better than the other, or liked one. I don't know, but maybe it suits different people. I'm sure different people have the, have different opinions about what which their favorite is. So you went to the old, the newer one, because you, you said the newer one is usually kind of seen. Well, I don't know. That might not be true, but 
generally the new shop of a, a particular coffee brand is always seen as the, the lesser one. Is that true? Uh, I guess so, because it's an imitation of the previous one. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it was the new one. Um, beautiful shop, lovely fit out. Like you kind of, you know, I was looking around taking photos going, that's really nice. That's really nice. Um, and one thing I really like about a coffee shop is its toilet. Um, if its toilet's nice, then the rest, yeah, that, that, that takes a lot of work to keep that nice. And it was, I don't know, the whole thing was, it was very, very slick, very smart. Um, I had espresso, which was very good. Um, had a stereo, batch... I believe they call it, isn't it? The what, sorry? The, the blend is stereo, I believe, isn't it? Is it? I've brought a bag of it home as well. Um, yeah, they've got oh. their, their kind of stock blend is called stereo. Okay. A cool name for espresso. Isn't it? I like that. Um, and then I had uh, their Kenyan on the, the bulk brew, which I didn't enjoy as much as I've enjoyed it since I've got home. <laughs> so again, I, I cleared the shelves full of every coffee that they had and brought them home. I don't know if you saw a photo of my stash. But um, I did. I think you have a problem. I do have a problem. Um, but it, it wasn't just for me. It was for the team as well. So not everybody from Hasbin could get out to Portland and to uh, Seattle. So it seemed like a good thing to bring them treats back. Uh, and everybody's really enjoyed them. Uh, it's yeah. yeah. Very, very good. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was... Oh, and then food trucks. Uh, we went to the food truck part and uh, uh, I had some chicken in some weird kind of sauce and... Apparently, it's very trendy. <laughs> so you're you're a bold over by it, then, yeah? Bold over. Oh, and then also they've got this the coolest. It's like a shop. restaurant, but I can't sit down, and then it goes away at the end of the night. <laughs> no, they don't move them. I don't think. I think they stay there permanently. So it's no, like a shit. restaurant. Like I'm sorry, that's shit. Yeah, that's it's like, like a the restaurant worst of boat worlds. Yeah, that is. It's, it is the worst of boat worlds. It's like a friend of mine said that he went to a this kind of trendy tech office last week and they had, um, you know, people serve you jam jars, you know, you get a drink in a jam jar and it's yep. like a cool hipster trendy thing to do. Well, this office had jam jars, but they had handles on them. Which is like, <laughs> They're called mugs, like, aren't they? Yeah. But it's like, none. Of, it's none of the street cred, but all of the inconvenience. So it's like, <laughs> The worst of boat worlds. And that's kind of what uh, uh, what a stationary food truck sounds like to me. Because when I say, when someone talks about a food truck, what I envisage is a guy who, who's committed to his life, he's committed his life to traversing the country, seeking out people to kind of engage them in, in the, the new word of amazing ribs or hot dogs or, and spread that gospel. But like a stationary truck is just an inconvenient restaurant. And, and there's a big square of them, so you just kind of walk around. There's probably about... Oh, that's even shitter. <laughs> it's like coordinated stationary restaurants with no seats. Oh, God. Well, you see, well, they'll build a roof over it next and put seats in and then toilets. <laughs> and then they'll have waiters. And then it's just shit again. <laughs> Why do you just park a van in your fucking restaurant? Sorry. <laughs> I got really angry there. Um... So, yeah, but like, okay, let's go back to your Kenyan and Hart Roasters. Uh, Hart obviously do a great job. Yeah. And then you had a great coffee at Stumptown. So, uh, I, I just, and, just, oh. to, just to quantify how much I love Hart as well, they are the coffee roaster I would buy coffee from if I didn't roast coffee. But that's how that's much I love last what they So, I think yeah. you've, you've endorsed them enough at this stage. We should be asking for kickbacks. It should be. The, um, um, but, yeah, okay, so... This happened to me in Seattle, okay? And I'm going to ask you about your Seattle experience in just a second. But this happened to me in Seattle. I got up uh, at about 4 a.m. or something uh, and tried to do some emails. And I went for a walk. And uh, one of the kind of, I won't say where, because I might drop somebody in here. But one of the 12 coffee shops that are kind of, I don't think, I think it's fair to say that Seattle doesn't have a go-to place for no. specialty coffee. It, there's like... 12 very good places that's maybe i'm completely wrong about that but i think like if it was in oslo we'd all go to wendelbo's if it was in i don't know uh yeah what hong kong we'd all go to the cupping room you know what i mean like that's that, that kind of deal jazz but anyway so i went to one of the 12 places i'm sitting there having coffee and the tale behind me um i recognized a few of them i knew one or two of them uh and there was about eight to ten of them okay and 
the barista comes down with the coffee and they're like, he's like, oh, uh, the Costa Rican. And the guy's like, now the guy's ordered the coffee, okay? Remember this, he's ordered the coffee. It said the name of the farm on the board and he had a look there or whatever. So the guy's already ordered the coffee. Now, so the barista comes down, actually not even the barista, dude from the kitchen. Okay, so dude who's been running stuff from the kitchen and picking stuff up from the bar and not making coffee, okay? So he comes over and goes, eh, the Costa Rican? And he goes, uh, where, where in Costa Rica is that actually from? And he goes, oh, um, let me just check for you. And he puts it down, goes back, comes back again. I can't remember what he said. Like, let's say Bella Vista. It probably was Bella Vista. <laughs> um, so he says, uh, Bella, uh, Bella Vista. And he's just like, oh, yeah, okay, but where in Costa Rica? And he's like, um, I'm not sure. So he goes off. One of the baristas comes over that's like got a queue out the door, takes his time to come over and goes, um, I'm not really too sure. I think it's like Naranka or something. And collectively, the table kind of goes, <laughs> uh, whatever. And it's like, what the hell? Like, uh, and this shop, okay, they were obviously, I don't think they, expe- they expected to be as busy as they were. And this table of people just sat there for the guts of an hour, just picking holes and everything. Like saying, oh, why would they do that? That's a crappy brew method. This is crap. This is crap. Because it's that thing where it's so much easier to show how much you know about something by dissing something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's any, any old idiot can say, this is amazing. I love it. But yeah. if you start picking holes and stuff, it shows how much you know. And one thing I did is it scared the shit out of me for Dublin. Uh, but, like, I, I really felt like getting up, standing up and going, guys, like, they're just running a coffee shop. The coffee was actually pretty nice. It wasn't exceptional. It was just, it was really nice. Um... And they were busier than they'd anticipated. So they were out the door, like really out the door. The tables had to be cleared. You know, this coffee was run off the shelves and the the staff looked very stressed. And I'm like, Jesus, guys, cut them a break. But I don't know. It just, it made me a little bit ashamed of the coffee industry. Just because I was like, you know, he's not doing a barista competition. He's just running his coffee shop. And this is the only week all year where he'll get shitty questions like this. And you expect him to be able to answer every one of them. Yeah. I mean, coffee people... Coffee people can be real douches, and that, that's the one thing I took away from Seattle this year. This, you know, like for this year's SCAA was that I kind of saw much more of that, and more than I've ever seen. Um, I don't remember it being like that in Melbourne or in Vienna or you know in um, uh, 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 Bogota. You know, like nobody was kind of go, you know, going to these coffee shops and sitting there going, oh, and I saw a lot of that. I saw an awful lot of people turning their nose up. But what for me was my best experience, which was the uh, Seattle, the roastery, uh, the Starbucks roastery reserve place, which for me. Yeah, you got it out eventually. <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't get it. But like that for me was like the best experience. I had. I'm not going to say it was the best coffee, not by a long way, but it was the best experience. And the most attentive service I got. And everybody was like turning their nose up. Oh, Starbucks. Oh, and I'm like, guys, like it is what it is. Like, what? why are you picking holes in something that is better than any other store that they have? Um, we should be yeah, happy like, and embrace it, it. it. It would be remiss of us not to devote a good bit of time to, to Starbucks. Um, and I, I, I think when I walked into... Anyone that doesn't know, basically, uh, Starbucks had... Are based in Seattle. And... Last time we were in Seattle, they had a place called Roy Street, which was um, kind of like a, a faux specialty coffee shop. It looked and felt like a, a specialty shop, but it wasn't called Starbucks. And that was kind of an experiment for them. And I remember them mentioning to me at the time saying, oh, yeah, we're going to be opening up this uh, specialty roaster, like small batch roasting just uh, down the street at this new place. And it's, it's going to be really cool. And I was like, I don't even think they'd started it yet. That was a year ago. That was a year ago, was it? Yeah, yeah, last year's SCAA. Yeah. So, then they went and spent... uh, Now, I I might be completely wrong about this, but uh, from what I understand, they spent $25 million building this cafe that's probably about, let's say, 5,000 square feet, would it be? About that? Yeah. Um, Replete with brew bar... Uh, regular bar retail area there's actually a pizza place in the corner who I, I didn't eat the pizza there but I ate at the other place um, their name escapes me uh, it's like awesome pie or something like that or serious pie maybe but yeah it's incredible um, and then they have uh, roasters they've got these amazing tubes that send the coffee all around the shop they have this wonderful old like train station flickety message board 
okay, that, I explained that badly. In a train station, when the or or an airport, when the flights change, it goes like that, and all the the numbers and letters flicker. Um, they put all they just say what what they're roasting at that time, and it's amazing. Like it is amazing. I my first thought when I walked into the place was, ah, who told them? <laughs> well, we we're not very good at keeping it a secret, are we? As a as a specialty industry, because we always want to shout about how amazing we are. But like they just they they built the roastery that everybody wants to build. You know, it's like. Yeah. It just it, it was it's an amazing experience, and and that's exactly what it is. It's an experience. It's the, the it's the first time because I kind of heard about these coffee shop experiences, and for me, it's going getting a coffee and and you know maybe eating some food and not so much of an experience. Whereas this was like you had to go and do it while you were there, and I would say pretty much everybody who was at that show at some point went and did that experience. Um, and it, I, I was really impressed, like attentive staff that wanted to talk, wanted to engage. They'd obviously gone out to hire people that, you know, wanted to talk to people, which was nice. Uh, I got far more. Now, when you probed, they didn't know so much about the coffees, which was a, a little bit sad, maybe. But I got a far yeah. nicer welcome in the in that store than I did in any other store in Seattle. Um, yeah, uh, the fit out, hands down, is the best fit out I've ever seen in the ca- cafe. Like it's it's stunning. I, I I think the word cafe kind of undersells it. It's it, it is an experience. Just standing in the room without talking to anybody is an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think from what I understood, I picked the wrong coffee. I went for the blend. Uh, I got scared off. There was a washed yogurt Jeff they had, and the guys and I just something I don't know. Whenever, uh, whenever I encounter kind of faux specialty. And they have a washed yogurt chef. You end up with something that's just like super sour. And I went, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dodge that one. Um, so I had the blend, and it was it was actually awful. But um, I understand that the the washed yogurt chef was was pretty good. And I had the I had the yogurt chef, and, and do you know do you know what I've had a lot worse from a lot better roasters. So yeah, it it, it, it yeah. was it was it was okay. Um, and the coffees they're buying for that place are I mean I recognise a lot of the coffees that they had on the on their list you know they had um a few of them stacked up at the front as well they recently bought the brazilian cup of excellence number one lot um so yeah it's it's happening so i think in the in the greater scheme of things with this with like what's happening at let's say blue bottle um with the continual rise of like stumptown intelligentsia places like this like i get the feeling that like when i got into specialty coffee and definitely when you got into specialty coffee it was a subculture mm-hmm. and it could rely on a lot of its driving could be uh, relied upon because people were passionate about it because it was almost seen as like this like crusade that we were on you know what I mean like we were trying to get this to people this is the right thing to do similar to how the craft beer thing is like people take it personally or even real bread in Ireland is this thing now where people devote all of their their own free time to promoting bread that's made properly and we had that in specialty coffee and as you see the the competitions, I think kind of find it harder to get support these days. I I wonder, are we losing that that subculture aspect, and are we becoming mainstream? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but is is it changing? Are we is specialty coffee a subculture anymore? I I think I think it depends on what you what you think of as specialty. So you know you can. You can buy the coffees and you can, you know, you can have the 25 million pound roastery. But does that make you specialty? Like going in and, you know, my, my funniest, like my, one of the best moments ever. I'm sitting in there with John Gordon and Hiddy um, and John <coughs> saying, I'd like something fruity. Like, you know, something, you know, something with any, the, the, the bar person was trying to convince him that he should have some syrup um, in there. And it was just wow. like, it was just that moment where it's like. Okay, you're trying to be, but you don't quite get it. You know, you don't. Yeah. You've bought the whole idea, but if the people in the shop aren't driving it as specialty, and it's just another Starbucks, or the people going in there are just wanting a Starbucks in a nicer environment, then that doesn't make it specialty. It makes it that mainstream. Then you know, going into somewhere like Hart or Stumptown, or you know, those kind of Vitrola. You know, you've got much more of a specialty experience. Um, 
perhaps not so polished as as the Starbucks Reserve a, one, but yeah, it was just at the in the earlier days. I think it was easier to get like. I think what we did was was probably, uh, and what Quillam did is like setting up specialty coffee shops in not too convenient locations, like yeah. the lobby of a nightclub, uh, a cart on a back street in London, and you would get away with that because the coffee is so good. But now the average consumer can get something approaching that in a much nicer environment, so they're not there to fuel the underdog. But I don't but know. It's kind of like the food truck thing we talked about earlier. You know that like. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it, you know, it, it comes back to at some point it becomes more commercialised. But actually, you'll probably try and seek out the food truck that only turns up at twelve till one in a certain area, uh, just as you'll search out the coffee shop that is in somewhere that you know different or unique or has something that is different. And like you've said it quite a few times, and I, I love using the line a lot. Is you know, and ideas are, 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 are great, but once they're out there, they're everybody's. Um, and it's yeah. up to us to innovate and evolve and keep coming up with new ideas. And um, I'm sure you stole it from somebody, so I'm not going to give you too much credit for it. But um, it's kind I of nice. No that... recollection of ever saying that. But anyway, oh, you ha- yeah, you have. And I, I hung on to I it. I say right? a lot of things, Stephen. I you say do. a lot of things. A lot of things. But I think it's up to us as a specialty industry to keep evolving and keep changing what we do and keep, you know, keep one step ahead. Um, otherwise, you will become into that, you know, previous uh, wave of, of thinking, um, you know, and, and you will no longer be part of that specialty club because, you know, stuff has moved on. Um, mm-hmm. But okay. interestingly, one of my other experiences in Seattle, my, my other good experience I had was in somewhere that described it as uh, 2.5 wave. So they had syrups behind the bar um, that, the fit out wasn't particularly smart or nice, but I had a delicious cup of coffee in there from a, they were, so I don't know how they were doing it, but they were, they were doing French presses and then filtering it and then putting it in a bulk brew, uh, in a bulk brew of like vac pot and serving from that. Like, it was the it's weird. Like they couldn't figure out which, which brew method to use. Yeah. So we'll use them all. <laughs> it was exactly that. Um, but the coffee was really, really good. Like, it was really good. Um, Can you and the say guy, where it is? Are you happy to say where it was? I, I guess so. I mean, it's down by the public market, and it's called Seattle Roast Works. Um, and I, 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 met oh, the, yeah. I met the guy who owns it. The reason I went in there is I met the guy who owns, owns it in Kenya uh, earlier this year. Uh, and he says, listen, when you come to Seattle, just come and come in. And I just, under the radar, snuck in. Nobody saw me, uh, apart from some guys from uh, the Tampa Tantrum in uh, Taiwan were there. Uh, and they were like, Steve, Steve. I'm like, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> so I just sat there and did the whole coffee experience thing. And, um, yeah, it was it was really good. It was like, like I, the coffee was quite delicious and then he came out and saw me he was like oh my god i should have served you something different and he's like no this was really good it's nice um so that was that was a lovely experience but he's still serving the starbucks customers that have always been in seattle that you know oh well i'll go there instead and yeah you know there is there is a starbucks literally on every corner oh gosh so many so so many Uh, but this one is like literally two minutes walk from the original one so, uh, you know, yeah, great location. I was like, how did you get this place? Like, this is probably well, the Once upon location. a time, that, that part of the city was, was kind of, um, the I don't know, the unpopular end of the city. It was just like a dirty market, but yeah. I think it's just been built up over the last few years. So. I know exactly what he said to me. He says, when we moved in here, like quite often, he'd have to sweep the syringes out the doorway when he first got in. You know, it was that grim. Um, um, and he says, like, now it's, you know, it's a great location, but it hasn't always been. Um, yeah. But that that was a lovely experience. What, what was your what was your takeaways from Seattle? What were, what was your mo- kind of special moments? Uh, what was that noise? Yeah, I think that was me going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to remix that now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't. I don't think I had any. Like the entering Starbucks was nice. Uh, I went to Victrola a couple of mornings, but yeah, it was like six a or seven a.m. Whatever time they opened, walking the streets early morning, questioning why I was awake was kind of my 
my experience. I didn't really have any kind of coffee experiences. Yeah, I don't know. I was pretty well, much, we, we see, I, def- I went for four days and, yeah. I, and I was kind of out of it for the whole thing. Like I was going to bed early, I was waking up too early. So most of my awake time involved nobody else in the city being awake. So that was kind of um, my uh, my takeaway from the week. So, uh, but I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. I, I, had a, I had a good time. If we, let, we I suppose before we go to WBC, you want we should talk a bit about SCAA and the actual. Well, before show before that, I want to lead you somewhere actually because um, we haven't talked about our uh, our Shoma experience. Oh yeah, <laughs> I obviously didn't pick up on that segue. I, I know, all. I know, I tried. You did, yeah. You 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 you, uh, you lined them up and I failed to knock them down. Indeed. I went and got I went and got a hot dog. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. So, uh, Steve, do you remember we went to Vivaci? <gasps> I do, Colin. It was amazing. Let's talk about that. Apropos of nothing. Um, so we yeah we pulled up at uh, Vivaci, which is sort of yeah I suppose like when I got into specialty coffee, that was. I think he no he was he he would he had just lost his influence to James Hoffman. That's what I'm gonna say. Um, and uh, but the books were still floating around, and like he definitely had a big place there. And I remember he 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 was at the uh, Schomer, uh David Schomer, um was on the Lamarzoka stand in London in WBC. Yeah. And uh, due to many many panic attacks, I I hid behind the stage at London, so I never got out into the show floor. But David Walsh. Uh, it said that he went there to kind of diss it and he was given an espresso and he said it was incredible. He couldn't get over how good it was. So that kind of always stuck in my head. So we went to Vivaci, which is definitely a more Starbucks style feel to the place. Uh, went in, staff were really nice. Uh, ordered two espressos, two cappuccinos. Interestingly, the barista handed me the espresso and said, drink that straight away, sir. I was like, wow, okay. And I was like, <laughs> took me back, but I was like, that's kind of cool as well. Um, so we had the espressos and had the cappuccinos and at this stage like I mean like you come with your preconceptions but like that espresso was to me one of the top 10 worst espressos <laughs> that I've ever <laughs> I'm, I'm worried where you would go with that then <laughs> it was shocking um, but at the same time I kind of like they have they have their way and I can, I can get that, you know, like, cause I know if he comes to my shop, he's going to spit out what we serve him and that's cool. And we're allowed not like each other. I don't personally dislike Mr. Schomer because of this. It's just not my bag, but like, they're so specific in what they do and how they want to do it. And they have these crazy grinders, um, that apparently we were talking to the Brist afterwards and he said that, that David Schomer bought like pretty much all of these grinders when they went out of production and they have a, a stock of parts and they just constantly recycle them in and out. It looks like a hybrid between an Anthem, um, like a Malkudig and a cheese grater. <laughs> so like, and it, interestingly, it has uh, conical burrs and flat burrs, which was like the most... It's like again the worst of boat worlds. So like it's. A, I, c- uh, I couldn't help but look at. I know we're going to talk about it in a little while, but like I couldn't help look at them and think of Sasha's grinder that he was using in the WBC, um, which yeah. was this like. Well, they're hybrid. Anthem grinders. They're they're yeah. Anthem grinders that are only sold in Australia, and the name escapes me. It's like DMG or BMC or something like that. Yeah. But like the way that the whole doser thing was taken off and the way that it was put together, they were like there were bits hanging off and it did, like it didn't look beautiful. And neither did these ones in in Vivace either. It was just, yeah. I mean, my, my overriding memory, like, I, so when I first got into coffee, I was working in the prison. So I was working as a prison officer, and I my first memory of like I'm going to do this coffee business was sitting on nights in the prison reading Shoma's book. Like, this was my first, like, I'm going to do this thing. And he was telling me things that just made no sense to me. Like, espresso should be, you know, 24 seconds. I'm like, what? Why would you wait so long? You do much quicker than that, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, reading through about, you know, like, yielding and, and what you should take out. It was just all foreign. Um, so from that time forward, I've been like, you know, David Schomer is on a pedestal. He's kind of like, he he gave me all of my basic education on coffee at the very beginning when nobody gave me any rules um so getting there i was really excited you know it's like 
I really want to do this. And then when we got there, it was just like, wow, they haven't redecorated since the 80s then. Okay, this yeah. is good. And the espresso, I, I, I pretty much worked out why the barista said to drink it straight away. Why is that? Because if he didn't, it would evaporate. It was the smallest shot I've <laughs> ever seen in my life. Like, it, it, what? It, it, we have a, I nicked a bag for the guys at the shop and I'm going to pull the shots on Friday in an event we're holding. And um, it's, yeah, I reckon they're probably, so if you're doing it two to one, like if, if most rest, these days a lot of shops do two to one, this was like 0.25 to one. Yeah. Like it, it was a thimbleful. Ah, oh, and, and, and you know what, I've never been crap. so grateful for there be, to be so little liquid because I took one drink and it had gone <laughs> and it was like, thank God I don't have to go back to this. And it's almost like he's ignored all of the rules that he set up for himself back in the day. You know, it's just like, this is it? Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, Apparently yeah. The, the, old, the old shop uh, was knocked down. Okay. Uh, and this is, this is like, uh, it's a main shop, but it's been rebuilt. I'm not even sure if it's the same location, but... It did feel like it was 40 years old as well. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, it was an experience. I'm glad it went. The cappuccino um, wasn't much better. Um, but c'est la vie, you know, each to their own. And many years of success uh, I wish upon Mr. David Schomer. And um, I'm sure he's a lovely person as well. And I'm sure his customers uh, absolutely adore it there, you know, and, and don't like anywhere else. I, I'm sure it's somewhere that can be a cult kind of place that you know, their customers will evangelize about it um but it yeah, wasn't yeah, for me yeah. nor me SCAA how did you how did you get on an SCAA because uh, I actually d- didn't get anywhere near the show floor until the last day and even then I had to nick your badge because um we uh my badge only was only worth Friday and Saturday so when I went to walk around Sunday there those guys who were so militant about the badges my god Whoa. they uh, they were like no sir you cannot come in here you cannot come in here and you can see them calling for backup and you're like oh okay just relax uh, which is the complete opposite of Ireland it's like here you haven't got a badge you can't come in I go on okay off you go and it's like <laughs> nobody cares so because uh, I was because I was emceeing and I was on the stage I didn't want to wear the badge around my neck so I got it tied onto my like belt hook you know my trousers and, and apparently like this was a felony this was this was a terrible thing i was doing uh, and i had to wear it around my neck and i'm like what what's wrong with you people like yeah they were they were nearly as bad as the security in wbc 2010 i say nearly because they weren't as bad because nobody pushed me over but yeah. oh yeah yeah it was it was full on they were very aggressively badge badge checking um yeah so actually I had, yeah, they, I, so we went into the, I nicked your badge and I went for a walk around the show floor. Um, but I suppose before that we'd been sitting around and talking to people through the tamper tantrum um, mini interviews that'll be popping up over the next few days that you'll all have seen. And getting a good idea about what people uh, were kind of interested in. I got a look at the peak, uh, the Malkunik, which is causing a lot of fuss. Did you have a chance to look at that? I did not. So I tried to hit the show floor three times. And the three times I got about 10 metres in two hours. And it was like, nah, this isn't going to happen. Because as soon as you kind of get anywhere, like you just, you get stuck. Like somebody you know or somebody you haven't seen for ages. And then somebody else comes and joins and they go. And somebody else comes and joins and they go. And in the end, it was just yeah, like, I give well, in. You see, I had an idea about this, okay? It's like, like you, you want to go somewhere and you don't want to be rude. And you, you feel like obliged to talk to talk. And I was like, why can't they just have like a do not disturb in big writing on the far side of your badge you could just flip it around it says do not disturb and then you could walk and then people go oh look there's Steve oh wait what he's a dick. It says, he do doesn't want to be disturbed no he's not a dick <laughs> he's not a dick he's just got somewhere to go like he'd be a dick if he looks at his phone and just and keeps walking past and pretends that he didn't see me which is what we all do anyway that's what we're doing right now so this would be a way of people going you know what yeah Steve's just busy I'll catch him later it's okay I understand that he's busy He's he doesn't want to be disturbed no? Yeah, no, I, could, I guess it could work. I guess it could. It could work. Um, but, yeah, so the uh, the peak was, was getting a lot of attention. Uh, I'm not sure it's reached full production yet, so I think it, 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 I got the feeling it's just, um, it's more of a prototype. The GMB Coffee are getting one, I understand, soon. Um, it's a... Uh, 
not temperature controlled. It's it's temperature. It shows it shows you the temperature, and then you have fans that you can turn on and off. Um, and everything that the coffee touches is new. That's what the the line was. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks a lot. Uh, looks to be like kind of spraying a lot less, a lot more stable, and again, really good for for more um coffee innovation. So that was good. The Master Cold I didn't come across actually. I never saw the Master Cold. I was disappointed by that. Um, and then the PB, the Lamazoco, not the PB, Lamazoco. Uh, I don't even know what they're calling it officially. The scales machine. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not no, it's the linear mini, isn't it? I'm thinking the linear. I don't know what they're calling it either. I didn't get yeah. to see that either. Uh, too. Well, I did, and Scott, whose name I won't attempt to murder, uh, Scott, actually, I will just for fun. Scott Gulli, yeah. That guy. Uh, that sounds like me, that sounds like me announcing to winners of barista competitions. There. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Scott. Scott was very good to show me uh, show me through the machine, and it's a uh, it looks really great. Uh, again, I think it's been a yeah, it has been a, a GMB coffee for testing, uh, and it's uh, I don't know if you see if you've seen any of the the grinder talks that I that I did for the mythos, but there's um at one of the the parts of the talks uh, I I wanted to point out that there's two different ways generally that kind of specialty coffee is done with, with scales and one way is fixed dose fixed beverage mass so you say I want to dose 18 grams I want to extract 36 grams so both of those are fixed and the second way is floating dose fixed ratio so this is where you have a variable dose but your ratio stays the same so if you get 18 grams let's say you go to 36 if you get 20 grams you go to 40 if you get 19 you go to 38 so the ratio stays the same but the dose of the yield change that makes sense yeah so the difference between from where what i can see the difference between the gravimetric system with which uh victoria duino developed and this lamarzoco uh system is that what it does is that it's it fixes a ratio and it then extracts depending on what you've dosed so how it achieves that and this is the really interesting part that i didn't realize is that you dose your portafilter you then put your portafilter onto the drip tray okay like literally onto the drip tray and the drip tray weighs your portafilter. Now, all of the portafilters weigh the same. Okay, so that's how it tells how much is in your portafilter. Because they all weigh, let's say, 200 grams. So if it weighs 219 grams, it knows that the coffee is 19 grams. Yeah. And now you've, you've got two pre-programs. Um, and if you basically set your, your ratio uh, for each of those different buttons. So if you go two to one, uh, you insert brew. And then it, it extracts twice what you put into it. Now, I think, I'm not 100% sure on this, and I'll probably, I will check it for next week, okay, but I think it's, it, the scales are only reflective of what the flow meters are doing. I think the flow meters are still in charge, I think. So, it says that, okay, if you've got to go to 20 grams, then that we estimate that you need this much water, and then we're going to tell the flow, flow meter to send that much water, and the scales will, will react to that. Uh, as opposed to being in control of the process, which is different to what the gravimetric does, because gravimetric will stop your shot at a certain point uh, based on what the scales is telling you to do. So the flow meter doesn't control that process. Okay. But it looks it looks really effective. I have one gripe though, what? and it's not with Lamarzoco. It's with <laughs> industry in general. Everybody needs to fall into line. Everybody needs to to listen to this very carefully. Okay, a brew ratio is not the same thing as a brew percentage. Okay. Okay. So even even Lamarzoco in in their promotion of this and in Sprudge when they're promoting and even in Germany when I go to cafes and they talk about what they're doing they say they say oh yeah we're using a brew ratio of fifty percent I'm like that's not a ratio that's a percentage they're two completely different things so a brew ratio is two to one a brew percentage is fifty percent a hundred percent ninety percent ten percent whatever you want so they're two very very distinct things we just need to put you in charge of this um I'm not even in charge of this. Common sense is in charge of this, okay? Actual no, I, common I, I, sense. I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. I understand. It's like saying my coffee weighs 20 degrees. It's not, you're not measuring the right way. Yeah, maybe not that extreme. But anyway, get in line, everybody. Did you get a chance to play with the PB and pull some shots, Steve? Nothing. I got no, Nothing. honestly, I got no, and I'm not joking, I got no chance to do anything. Um, I, I literally gave up in the end. I gave you my pass to get round as well. So the last day, that was never going to happen. Um, yeah, I was yeah, looking I'll, for sticker machines. I was hoping to see more sticker machines, but I didn't see any. 
thank um, you for tarnishing my name as well. I have had reports come back of uh, um, certain things <laughs> I did on the show floor. I I did actually have this one amazing episode where a gentleman, I have no idea who he was, and I hope he's listening, he might be, he, he came up and he went, oh my God, Steve Layton, oh, this is such an honour, you're like, you're like my, you're like my hero. And I was like, well, clearly not. <laughs> you don't know what he looks like. And it's not as if it's hard to find out what you look like. So that was, um, that was funny. I did yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, I had a, quite a few of those, um, quite a few people like, oh no, I love what you do. And you know, it's really great to meet you. And uh, are you going to compete in the barista competition again? And I was like, I've never competed in a barista competition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah, there was, a, there was a few awkward moments, uh, but a few very lovely moments actually as well. A lot of, I, so on the, on in my mug, we get, um, I would say there's something like, it's about one to 2000 views every week. Um, on, in, for, from the US, just from the US, it's a small percentage of the actual what we get, but it's it's a percentage. Um, and it was really cool to meet some of those people on the show floor as I was going around. It's like I've watched everyone. Like I'm even, and this one goes telling me going back through them again. I'm like, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that to yourself. That's some kind of abuse. Uh, but yeah, it was very nice to meet uh, lots of lovely people um, as we went round. Did you make it to the Yemen event? No, no, I didn't, uh, which made me very sad. It was um, it was either wait for semi-final results or go to the Yemen event. Uh, so there was a, a Yemen cupping uh, from uh, CQI. Uh, they've been doing lots of work in Yemen to try and uh, make coffee uh, more accessible there. I nearly got invited to go on the CQI event in December last year. Um, in Yemen? In Yemen, um, but wow. just missed out. And uh, I made it. Like we were talking about this on one of the earlier Tampa Times. Was this one place that I really want to go to in the next twelve, eighteen months? And um, I would yeah, have loved to have got a taste of the coffee. Would have loved to. Obviously, have. Yemen is has a bit of a an, uh, an unstable political climate at the moment. Um, so it's kind of uh, to say the least. So it's definitely somewhere that has a lot of potential. Um, I've not really uh, the only Yemen coffee, Yemeni coffee I've had is the, uh, what's it the Makatari is that what's called that you had? Uh, Matar two thousand and ten. Yeah, Makatar, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two thousand and ten, yeah. but obviously lots of potential. Um, and like I think Yemen has been exporting coffee since the fifteenth century, so there's a lot, there's huge potential there. Um, but like well, it's a, a really, the, the, really sad a, situation. There's a school of thought that coffee actually didn't start in Ethiopia and may have started in Yemen. Um, so it may actually be the birthplace. It's, there's a, a yeah, n- nobody's quite sure where it was first found. Um, but I suppose it's like, it's similar to I- Indonesia in that sense, is that like, yeah, it's not a massive producer. I think there's like 11, about 10, 11,000 tonnes of coffee uh, a year produced, which is, I think Brazil has 10 million tons from what i remember so it's um like literally 10 million so it's it's a good bit behind obviously brazil well everybody's a good bit behind brazil but um like there's it's not a huge producer of coffee but then again it's not all the country is is suitable for producing coffee it's all it's all pushed towards the west coast it's not uh there isn't very much arable land kind of east of that so it's not really the best place to grow that and obviously you need the altitude as well but most of their coffee uh from what i could tell is is it's sold into places like Turkey and Greece where they have kind of, they, they favor that kind of, let me say the wilder side of coffee flavor yes. profiling. So uh, I'm not sure there's a huge opportunity for specialty coffee to, to engage there. And like the political situation just makes it even worse because I mean, like right now, if you go to any major uh, news aggregator on the internet, you'll see the, massive problems of the Houthis, Shia rebels, and then there's the Sunni government, and then there's USA involved and Saudi Arabia propping up the government, and then you have Al-Qaeda, you have Islamic State, and all of those things together <laughs> make it quite a, an uneasy place to be right now. Um, so, Well, hold, hold that thought, because I've actually got some of the samples coming. Um, I've, I've, got, I've got some of it that from, from this exporter guy, and the story of this exporter guy sounds amazing, like how he got the coffee out, the samples out, there's a there's a real like film plot story to it, 
Um, you know, he kind of smuggled it out. He got arrested. He, you know, he, it was just the, 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 there's a real kind of gimmicky story to it almost. But I'm waiting for the samples to arrive to to try it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited by it. I think the potential is there with it's like everything. You know, the, these coffees are a little bit wild and a little bit crazy because there's no education there. There's no uh, support and help on how to process. Um, you know, all these things are issues. And um, I, I, it's I, similar to Bolivia in the sense that, like, like obviously, Bolivian production is stunted by the kind of proliferation of like drug cartels and growing coca in different yeah. uh, in the same regions as the coffee. Where in in Yemen they have cat, which isn't is completely legal and. They say not addictive, but I don't know. Um, but that's like, it's grown in the same areas. And that's what like, I think it's, it accounts for like one in seven of the people in Yemen are employed in that production or in the selling of that, wow. of cats. So it's like, it's, um, it has quite an impact on what they do. But yeah, I mean, I'm all for more coffee producing com- countries. And I think um, Yemen definitely should have something to, uh, to offer. You know, I, it's, it, I, I like these awkward, uh, politically unstable, uh, weird places. So I think uh, that's, that's why you come to see me all the time, isn't it? It, it is. That's why I come to Dublin. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So um, I, I purposely left this to last because obviously it was, it could, if we did it first, we could we have potential to talk about it all day long. Uh, but WPC. Um, and first up, uh, congratulations to Sasso Sester to from Ona Coffee in Canberra, in Australia, who took away the crown. And, and I think you, call, you by... called it. You called that in the last podcast as well. You called Sasha, yeah. I think. I'd, well, I said he would definitely be a contender. And I'd never met him. I knew nothing about him, but it was just based on what John Gordon said. And yeah. actually, to be fair, I met John Gordon in the lobby of my hotel on the first day. And I said, how's Sasha getting on? He said, you know what? I don't want to sound arrogant, but like, I would be surprised if he doesn't win. And I was like, wow. Okay. And in fairness... I thought John was being arrogant, <laughs> um, but he, uh, he he just went and did it. Um, and one phrase dropped into my mind when I was watching Sasha. Yeah. And for the first time, like I, I kind of, I would hear this in feedback from judges over the years. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. But like the one thing that dropped into my mind when I was watching him was clarity of purpose. Yeah. Like there was a real clarity to what he was trying to convey. Like, and there's no, like, uh, ancillary messages and underlying themes and it was just this is what I'm presenting taste it that should prove it and it was like it was that simple which is really hard to do like I don't want that I don't want to sound like uh, I don't want that to sound like it was um, some sort of simplistic uh, mindless interpretation but it was like it's, it's so hard to do something simple like, it's the hardest thing ever. It's the same with restaurants and cafes. To achieve clarity of purpose is the most difficult thing. And it requires an awful lot of work. I think the thing that stood out for me the most watching him was just how practiced he was. Like, he has stood at a machine for months upon month upon month doing that routine. It just looked everything had a reason to do what he was doing. Like, he, 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 he did... And I've said this about... Um, John Gordon before it's like when you watch him at a machine no hand movement was made without there being a purpose for it like it, it just looked so practised um. and uh, I think there's also that, that lineage now is emerging and this happened a few years back as well because um, so obviously we had J- James Hoffman uh, one thousand and seven. Yep. and at the time he was working with Stephen Marcy who won 2008 and them two were very much in cahoots with the 2009 winner, uh, Gwilym Davies. I'm not sure before that, like, was there, I know that they're all very good friends, but I'm not, like, what, what sort of relationship? Uh, Klaus and James uh, are very good friends. Very, very good Yeah, friends. and Klaus had lived in London at the time, yeah. didn't he? Yes, yeah. And then before Klaus was Tim. And I'm not sure what Tim and Klaus's relationship was, or if there was that kind of... Uh, that might that might be it gets a bit vaguer I suppose at that end of the scale but like so 2013 we had Pete Licata who in fairness was um, from what I could tell was very much uh, there was no link before him he had no 
He had no link to Raul Rodas, who won the year before. So Pete yeah. Licata won 2013. Yeah. Uh, 2014, uh, Hide Izaki, uh, who was trained by Pete Licata, won. Yeah. And then this year, Sasa Sestic won, who was trained by Hide Izaki. So that, that lineage is now emer- uh, emerging. They're like dynasties in China at this stage. You know, you kind of have these different formations. And uh, like one of the interviews that we, that we, um, that we uh, did during the week that's going to pop up in the next few days was with Judy House, And she mentioned the whole uh, thing we we're talking about, Nick Cho, about uh, women and coffee. And she said, look, another important aspect to look at is, is kind of um, the barrier to enter, entry that's, uh, that's presented to people because of other aspects like, um, like poverty or because they don't know certain groups of people and they haven't got that, that social link, you know, and that's, it's an interesting way to do it. But uh, without taking anything away from Sasa, it, it, there is that lineage appearing and it, I wonder who's, who's going to come next in that line. And uh, I suppose John Gordon is well-placed to do it, obviously, because he wants to get back into competing. Well, Jess let him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But my understanding is that he wants to compete for New Zealand because you, you, there was a time you couldn't do that. If you won a national competition, you couldn't compete for another country. But now you can, as long as you've been there, obviously, a certain amount of years. But I think he's... He wants to compete for New Zealand. I might be completely wrong. We should get him on and talk about that. We should. Um, we should. But, yeah, an excellent competition. The standard was was very, very high. I don't think we can not mention Charles Babinski. No. No, I, 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 I like this time last year in Seattle, I, I announced him as second place. And then this year in the WBC finals in Seattle, I announced him in second place. And, uh, like, yeah, he Could was blame you? I, I, I would. Um, yeah, I would definitely blame me. Uh, he was great. I mean, he was fantastic. Like, so, so impressed with his performance. Um, yeah, it, lovely guy as well. Just so charming and charismatic. It just makes you sick. Like, why can't he And the top look? two. I think Charles was winning after the first round, was he? Yes. Yeah. F- first round, he was first. Um, Giacomo second. Michael. Uh, is it Michael? He was second. Um, in first round and then semi-finals I think Charles was second yeah and then second and like, but the juxtaposition of both of their presentations are quite stark like there's on one hand uh, like I, I, the videos aren't available at the moment they've taken them down I don't know why um, which is a shame but hopefully they'll pop back up again but Charles's um, uh, presentation is talks about how uh, it's kind of it's more focused how just doing a good job without anything too fancy will yield you good results and he, he relates that to the to um the farm that he was using which was um was it Costa Rica I think his coffee is from no? um, oh. maybe I can't remember uh, so the farm that the farm that they're using um very common varieties very common processing methods and just doing it well, just attention to detail, doing the basics right. And that yields an excellent experience. And then he marries that into how they run their shop, how it's not supposed to be bells and whistles. It's customer focused. Do the basics right. This will yield you an excellent result. Okay. Yeah. On the other hand, you have uh, Sasha's routine, which uh, involves uh, him engaging with, the producer, which has become a theme over the years with Hide and with Pete Licata, to the extent where you see baristas, not just as baristas, but also as like, almost uh, like pseudo agronomists at one stage, but like engaging in that process. Now he's probably taken to the biggest extreme because he got them to do a carbonic maceration in stainless steel tanks, um, kind of inspired by the wine industry. And he's working with a Sudan Rume variety, which is not a cheap variety, from Carmelo's farm, which is uh, Santuario in Colombia. No, no, it's from which, Las Nubes, uh, the other farm. That he oh, it's Las Nubes, but it's, yes. it's Carmelo, Carmelo's farm, yeah. So yeah. if you haven't heard of Carmelo's coffee, it's probably because you can't afford it. Um, <laughs> and the, um, it's an uh, excellent coffee farming. So he's got a superstar variety, superstar coffee farm, superstar farmer, superstar process, like carbonic maceration and stainless steel things huge amounts of influence on the grower not something that every barista can do and yields amazing results now both of those methods are equally valid and i think that both presentations were 
chalk and cheese, but either one could have won. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And but just so different, so different in their approach. We can't we can't talk about the finals though without talking about third place as well. That's still messed with my head. Uh, and Mr. Ben Putt and his backpacking um, espressos. Yes. We we spoke to Ben obviously on the temper tantrum interview. So you got to try it. Yeah. Actually, you've been doing it at home, haven't you? I have. I have. And I've kind of got a bit obsessed with it because the differences are just so stark. um, And I don't know why. I don't like. I I understand a little bit of the science that's going on, but not enough to. for my little brain to work with it. Um, It's so interesting. Really is so interesting. Um, And I've been playing with brewed coffee with it as well, which changes the brewed coffee a little bit too. Not quite as is stark it? as the espresso, but yeah. Um, so talk us talk us through what the process is and, and what the experience is like. So so basically, the, 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 there's um, the espressos are pulled from the machine as normal. Um, he gave them to the judges to assess the crema and said, "Right, I'm just going to pop these, take those back, and I'm going to pop them in this vacuum machine." And he bursts, so they're little bursts of uh, of, of the vacuum because obviously, as uh, the temperature. As the vacuum happens, uh, the liquid starts to boil at room temperature. So you you have to be very careful not to condense it um, because you're going to be served the judges less than a full espresso, which I thought was a really interesting rule call that they were happy to go with that um, because how do you know that, that some of the liquid hasn't evaporated in that boiling pot? But the crema kind of almost froths up to the top of the cup. Like it, It's really quite violent the way that it, the crema rises now when you open the vacuum it just collapses uh, and it dissipates the crema so obviously crema is something that we know that if you taste on its own it could be quite bitter and you know um uh, but it's also removing co2 and carbonic acid or something like that now that this yeah. is where the, yeah. yeah yeah um through the vacuum it's actually removing that um and just makes the espresso taste... So if you taste the normal espresso pulled, you go, that's delicious. You taste the vac-packed one, you go, wow, that's much cleaner and more transparent. And, you know, there's much more clarity in the cup. And then you go back to the other one. The other one tastes ashy and burnt and, like, not delicious. And it's just oh. the weirdest thing. It really is. And is, is it a slight difference or a major difference? I've given it to some people and they've gone, wow, that's really different. Uh, I've given it to others who've gone, oh, yeah, it's a little different. For me, it's night and day, but I'm very sensitive to those kind of changes, I think. So I'm probably not the the, the target, but everybody notices some difference. Um, The magnification of the difference has been received differently by different people. Hmm. Yeah. I definitely want to try it. I didn't get get a a chance to try it, but I think Ben is... And has been like one of the most interesting competitors of the last few years. Uh, well, him and, and, Je- him and Jeremy both like yeah. so they're business partners. Uh, and and in is it Monogram Monogram Coffee? Yeah, Monogram. Yeah. yeah. Um, like they worked at Phil and Sebastian's, and I was lucky enough to go to Calgary um, about two years ago now, and and I'm, I met them both for the first time before they. It was about three years ago actually, because it was before Jeremy competed in um, uh, in WBC. In, 2013 and they were lovely like they both of them were so welcoming and and but also so interesting like we got talking coffee and um as you do and their knowledge is just huge so i i've been a big fan of ben and of of jeremy for a long time so i'm really pleased to see them doing their own thing and uh and and pushing you know pushing the boundaries like i not i'd not heard of backpackers being used to serve espresso before i saw that on stage and you know that's the kind of guys yeah. they are. Because that's the thing. Like, where is it a mix of both, or do you think? Do you see? Do you see WPC as somewhere to innovate or somewhere to um, cement standards? I would prefer to see it as innovating. I think the rules as they currently stand are much more about cementing standards. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the arguments come from because people think it's about different things. Yeah, and then they get angry when those, when it doesn't support those things. So. So I like I, that there are there are new rules. So like the the first one that um, I think is going to my understanding is that there are lots more coming. Yeah, there's very little information on the website. It's hard, it's very hard to find anything really. But um, 
the the biggest one is the milk drink so it's it's basically they're blowing the milk drink out of the water you can pretty much do what you like as long as it's an espresso and milk you can you can dictate what's going to happen there you think it's a good thing or a bad thing um i i i kind of like the idea that it opens up the presentations a little bit more because we have got in pretty much a a, a routine and a rut of how a barista competition gets put together this will will change that a little bit which i think can be a good thing i will miss the cappuccino um I do want to see somebody serve an Americano with milk, uh, um, milk and sugar. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't, I think until we actually see it, I don't want to kind of be dismissive of it until we actually see it in practice in the competition. But, um, I, but that's I, it. I, like with all reels, there will be, somebody will do something and then everybody will go, ah, oh, okay. We didn't think they'd do that. Yeah, I think we're going to have, we're going to have a lot of rule check. Like by changing fundamental rules like that, you're going to have, a lot of people trying to bend them and there's going to have to be a massive clarification over the coming years of rules. And that's the danger of changing too many is that almost you'll have a little bit of an anarchy uh, for a while. Like I'm waiting for somebody to turn up on stage with a Porlex um, and just start hand grinding their espresso instead of using the competition grinder. And, um, you know, there's going to be all sorts of People looking but, for but the that, loopholes. That probably wouldn't be a lot allowed. That's the other rule in case anyone missed that, that the Malkunig, um, who are the, the grinder sponsor of, of the WBC, uh, have now basically decided that, uh, or WBC decided that you have to use their grinder. Now, I missed the announcement, so I'm not 100% sure whether that means any Malkuna grinder, or does it mean no. just the peak, or does it mean it the will peak be, or the EK? It will be a machine, a grinder that they designate um, as the, the competition grinder. Um, so and did they, be... did they supply the grinders on the yes. day? So you just turn up and use their grinders? Yes, you will be given wow. a grinder f- uh, for the entirety of the day and that will be your grinder. Um, so uh, from what I understand from the rules... That is going to cause them a lot of problems. Like, uh... not, I just see like people being given a grinder and like, what are the chances of all 50 baristas saying, oh, I really like this, thanks. It's working exactly how I want it to work. <laughs> it's oh. just... They're asking for a lot of trouble there. A lot of trouble. But the from other what I understand is, from they've the never rule, really though, had any return from their sponsorship money, so it makes a lot of sense. I think they've had plenty of return. Like, look how many EK43s they sold on the back of Matt taking it on stage. I know there was a few people, like yourself, uh, buying them before, but after that, everybody bought one. They've had their return. Yeah, but you could, say, you could say the same for the Mythos, you know, even though they've not... They didn't have to sponsor at all, you know. So I think it makes sense that Malkinik should, if they're going to sponsor, like you can't bring up a PB and use a PB instead of the Aurelia. You know what I mean? So mm. yeah, from what I understand from the rules, now. though, it it actually says it's an electric. You're not allowed to take an, an electrical grinding on stage or something like that, and you have to use like the competition one will be supplied. I don't think it says you have to use it. So okay, yeah. and again, this everybody will be looking for that kind of loophole that they'll end up having to tighten the rule down and tighten the rule down, uh, and I think there's a danger of introducing too many can be a bad thing. Um, Are but, there any scores that you'd like to see, or not scores? Any real changes that you'd like to see? I'd like to see the sig drink opened up a little bit more. I, I you know, I, I don't necessarily want to go down the brewed coffee route that pe- some people have talked about with it, but I think that, that it's it's a very narrow. Um, you know, I kind of, I'd, I'd like to see sig drinks, but maybe the sig drink can include a, a, a brewed element into it. You know, so you don't have to use espresso for the final drink. I guess the machine. Well, that's it, because like, it has to taste. That. One of the things that that a lot of people fall down is that the, the sig beverage has to taste of espresso. But like, yeah. when you put anything into espresso, it stops tasting like espresso. It starts tasting like what you put into it. So it, yeah. it became, it makes it very restrictive. You know. Yes, and I think a lot of people fall down there. Um, Jessica um, McDonald uh, actually tweeted during the week an idea that I think we talked about before, which would be really good. Uh, is that um, cumulative scoring? So that like your final score is made up of the average of all the scores you achieved throughout. Like so, first round plus second round plus final divided by three is your score. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that'd be good? Yeah. I t- the other thing I'd like to see. And I don't know how we do it, but I'd love to. I, I think live scoring. Uh, if we want to make it more of a spectator event, if we want people to hang around. Um, I think making it into a live scoring, uh, the judges actually give their scores on the stage 
um, you know, by pressing a buzzer or doing something or, you know, bit, bit of Britain's Got Talent, you know, <laughs> big X comes up. and <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny. Uh, uh, I think, um, you know, what I'd like to see, or I think uh, this has gone way out, but like what I, I think could be, could be interesting would be to do um, like maybe like the, one of the judge, judges is uh, sensory bound so like they're just they're blindfolded yeah. they're they've got earphones on and all their they just they're, they sit there as the fourth judge and they're presented espresso to drink yeah. and they can't see who's giving it to them and they can't hear anything about that person and they just taste it based on what it is and then they act as like a uh, a reference point for everybody else you know because sometimes you do taste what you're told yeah that happens yeah. you know like, no, I, th- uh, I, th- so I think, think that would be an interesting thing I think d- doing something like that and, and then just using a different kind of score sheet so actually just using like a cupping style of score sheet for that for that blindfolded judge could be really interesting um, yeah and like, listen I mean the, the thing is it's fairly successful at this point 15 years of WBC and it seems to be doing okay so maybe we shouldn't yeah. change it too much um, but yeah I, I, I think the, the, the next couple of years are going to be very interesting to see uh, who tweaks what and who pushes what to where um, to make um, you know to, 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 to make the rules fit what they want to do and um, yeah good times awesome okay I think that's a good place to wrap up um Excellent as always to talk to you, Mr. Yes, Layton. a pleasure as always to talk to you, Mr. Harmon. And you'll have the pleasure of my company on, on Wednesday, so um, no doubt you're looking forward to that. Uh, of um, course. Anyone else out there that's listening, thank you so much for for listening in. The numbers have been uh, incredible lately. We're really, really happy about how things are going. We have our full-time member of star- staff starting today, actually, as it yep. happens. Um, so Tamper Tantrum is ramping up. We have a special guest lined up for the for the next one and we've got some more interesting announcements to go. So if you have any suggestions, um, complaints, compliments, random comments to make uh, about Tamper Tantrum or what you'd like to see us do, then please feel free to email Steve um, <laughs> tell him and um, leave me the feck alone. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Um, uh, but do, uh, do get on board because Tamper Tantrum is by the people for the people. And we'd love to hear what you have to say. Anything else, just be- Mr. Layton? Yeah, just before we do wrap up, there'll be a blog post going on the website later this week. Uh, which, if, hey, you can come to the next Tampa Tantrum event, which is going to be held in Prague. Um, it oh. is a, a Barista Guild of Europe. We're not allowed to call it Euro Guild. Euro Guild! No, we're not allowed to call it Euro Guild. Okay, Euro okay. Guild is something we're not allowed to say. We must not say Euro Guild. I like the Euro Guild. <laughs> but we're not allowed to say Euro Guild. Uh, uh, Barista Guild Euro of Guild. Europe uh, are having their first um, collab event, which is uh, part of Tampa Tantrum, will be uh, an a, a integral part of that. Uh, and you'll be able to buy tickets from the BGE website. You can do that now, but we'll be putting a post up as well on Tampa Tantrum uh, if you can't find the Barista Guild of Europe website on how you can do that. Awesome. Okay. Um, A very good day to you all, and thank you for listening. Over and out.